0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler.
1: I'd like us to take our Bibles and go to the book of Romans chapter 1 as we are continuing our our Route 66 series. And I will probably stop tonight in this series just until we finish out the holidays and then we will resume again in uh, the beginning of the year. Um, Because we have several things that are going on this month and... uh, So we're going to chill after this for a little bit. But um, does anybody here have a testimony tonight? Anybody here tonight have something you want to share? Something been going on in your life? Some good thing? Some answered prayer? Provision? Yes? No? What? Your mom has something good. No, she's not. She's coming right on up.
0: Hi can you hear me? A lot of y'all have been praying for my brother. He had stage four non-alcoholic cirrhosis of the liver and he has been very very sick and at times he was up and at times he just felt like he wasn't going to make it anymore and he got a call Thanksgiving day that there was a donor which first thing I thought was someone had to lose a loved one for him to get a liver but everything went amazing. We couldn't ask for it to be any better. He's already home, Thank and he's, it's amazing how I've just seen him change just in a week's time. And he's got a testimony I wish he could share with you. He called me the other day and just said I was being so stubborn because he doesn't want help, doesn't want to ask anybody for help. And he said that he realized that he was getting in God's way of people working and blessing him. And it's just it's amazing what's happened just in a week's time. Thank when I flew out there, I really didn't know what to expect. So thank y'all for your prayers.
1: Absolutely. praise. Thank you, Renee. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's give God a great praise. Thank you for that, Lord. You know, that's another way. It's amazing how the, all the avenues that God has provided for us for healing. And one of the ways that, that maybe we overlook is, is donating. A donor being willing to give of themselves. And uh, that's a marvelous, marvelous gift. You know, last year we lost a young man. Uh, you remember on Easter, uh, Ahmad, who passed away in a car accident on, on his way home from our Easter service. 18 years old, was just awful. Awful. But when he got his license, when he registered for his driver's license, he registered to be a donor, and seven people benefited from that kid. I just thought that was a marvelous thing, marvelous gift to give. And um, I think four of them were critical, uh, and and. Their lives depended on it, and he helped re- renew and restore their lives. So uh, I'm grateful to God. You know, I was thinking about I was thinking about that event um, as I was preparing this message, and uh, how how as as his pastor, moments like that, um, it's hard to know what to say. You know, it's, it's just hard to to rationalize and to justify anything like that because it's just so unjust it's just not right that young people die i I never believed that's god's will and when that happened when that happened I, i realized that as his pastor i had a great responsibility at that moment and that is to to speak on his behalf and say things that he couldn't say but if he could be here knowing what he knows now Oh, wow, what he would say. And I know the message. I know the message that the dead would preach. I know the message that the dead would preach if they could come back and if they could say something. Whether they're, whether they're, in, they're eternally lost or they're in heaven, they all have the same message. Whatever you do in life, make sure you don't miss heaven. And... And it was interesting that that message um, I shared at Ahmad's funeral, and I'll and I'll talk a little bit more about that a little further uh, in the message tonight. Well, I'm going to do something a little different in our the way we've been going through the books of the Bible, and uh, we've used our map charting our course, you know. But tonight I'm going to do something a little bit different, and maybe maybe help you. I think that. I can help put some tools in your hands for how do you present the gospel to someone? What do you say? How do you say it where, where they can understand it? How do, you, how do you present it in such a way where they would want to be a part of it? They would want to receive this good news. And, and um, I, One of the things that um, has been taught in the church for many, many years, especially uh, my denominational friends, uh, they have a little pattern that they use called the Roman road. And I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about some problems with that and and help, I think, fix some issues. Because um, I, I, though I love uh, most of it, there are some problems with some of it. And so we're just going to talk about those things. And is it okay if I just get practical with you tonight? I'm going to be a little theological too because that's who I am. But... Uh, I, want to, I just want to start by reading Romans chapter 1. Listen, listen to this. this is, I want to remind you that, that the book of Romans is where we find much of what we believe. Much of our theology is based in this book. It's strong in theology. But let me just remind you tonight, as I was reminded just going through it again, this is a letter. It's not systematic theology. It's a letter to a church. It's a letter to, to um, actually probably a host of churches throughout Rome where they many of them met in homes. Maybe a few gathered in a, in a home. It, it wasn't quite there in Rome like it is here, um, but later became that way. But, so Paul is writing a letter, and, and, and there's much that he doesn't know about them because he hasn't spent much time or any time there at this point. However, he does know some things about the people. Some reports have come to him. Maybe they've written letters asking him questions. And so he does talk about a couple of issues over in Romans chapter 14 and 15. Um, But for the most part, he's presenting the gospel. He's defending the gospel. And and, um, so he's, he's also bringing pastoral care to the people as well. But he opens this book up by saying, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. And so we understand what happened in Paul's separation to the gospel of God. We know about that moment when he was on the road to Damascus with papers um, from the high council to go arrest people, men and women, drag them out of their homes for preaching this way, what they called the way. And that way was, according to them and people like Paul, was intimidating and attacking their own religion. They saw it as a threat to them because it was this gospel that came to us freely. No works on our part. And everything about Paul's experience in religion was all about works. Because he said, when it, comes to, it came to the law, I'm, I was blameless when it came to the law. I kept it to the letter. I was a Jew's Jew. And now this light shone from heaven, it's a marvelous thing. Scripture says that it was noon. That's the the brightest time of day. The sun is in the center of the sky, and yet a light shone from heaven around Paul. That light, you ever tried to shine a flashlight in the the daytime? It's pointless, isn't it? Try to look at your phone screen when the sun's shining down? Right? You can't can't see it because that sunlight just is so much brighter than all of it, but this light shone during the noonday all around them. Just the sun now becomes dim compared to his light. It's the glory of Jesus. It's hard for us to really wrap our minds around just how amazing he is, except that we get these glimpses about him throughout the scripture. And then we understand that when we've brought him into our life, just that power that is in us and that peace and that comfort and that grace that is continually there by His Spirit. So Paul says, I was separated to the gospel of God, which He promised before through His prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning His Son, Christ Jesus our Lord. So now we understand the subject of the gospel. The subject of the gospel is a person, and the person is the Son of God, all right? The Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, which means He has the rightful place to sit on the throne, which means He's also, to Israel it means He's the Redeemer, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead which means because of his holiness, he could not stay dead because the wages of sin is death, but because he knew no sin, he couldn't stay dead. He was only dead because God accounted him sin for us until the price was paid, but his holiness brought him back to life. And so it's important that this is the message that we continually bring when we're going to present the good news to this world. It really is good news and it needs to stay good news. And this good news is about him. Declaring the gospel, declaring or preaching, I should say, at its absolute best is a manifestation of the living word developed through the written word, and declared by the spoken word. So we have a responsibility to deliver Him to the people. Because the Scripture says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So I want you to imagine this. When you declare His Word, His presence is in that. It's, you're declaring Him in the earth. It's a marvelous thing. That's what makes His Word so powerful and so powerful so much greater than any wisdom or philosophy of man. And that's why I feel the responsibility when I'm put in a situation like for a mod's funeral where when somebody needs to say something and it's the pastor's job, right? But I have the strength and the courage of the scriptures because I know God knows what to say in moments like that. And it's that I can use his word then to bring hope, to bring comfort, and to bring help and strength in times like that. I could never muster up the right words for that kind of situation. Not in my own strength. But he's given us his word to help us to be able to deliver a message to people where they can receive life. The Roman road consists of this. And this, is, this has been a common way to teach people how to lead others to Christ or how to present the gospel, okay? And I'm not going to pick on this too much because I think most of it's really good. But I do want to talk about some of the problems with it, um, let's, let's look at Romans chapter 1, verse 20, if we can bring that up. And, and this is where the teaching with this Roman rose says that we must acknowledge uh, that God is the creator of everything, accepting our humble position in God's created order and purpose. So this says, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. Isn't that interesting? And glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. But became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So this is the way of man. All of us were born with a God sent. That's what this is teaching us. All of us. And so uh, this teaching says you need to acknowledge that He's the Creator. All right? Now, I, I think... The truth is, this teaches us that they already know that he's the creator. All right, they already know. We all born with that God because we're created in His image. Right? We're made to understand that there is a God. Right? There, there is a God. No, I mean people can deny it, but inside they really know. Amen. No, God doesn't believe in atheists because they really don't exist. All right? If they're honest, they don't exist. So, but they suppress that truth in unrighteousness. They suppress it and push it down. All right? There there really is no way. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. You got that? All right? And and now now we understand, you get them to see that God is the creator. Then it says, then the next step is you must realize that we are sinners and that we need forgiveness. And none of us are worthy of. under God's standards. And so then they take you to Romans chapter 3, and you go to verse 9. Romans chapter 3, and verse 9 says, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all, for we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands, there is none who seeks after God. So you help them see that this is is the way... We are as sinners, and nobody can attain to God's righteous standard. Uh, Romans 3.23 is the next thing that it takes us to, in case anybody tries to escape from that thought, and says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're all in that boat right there. And then, but then they want to take you to, okay, so now that you understand that there is a God, and that there's no way that you could become righteous of your own, and that we're all sinners and we've all fallen short of his glory, so we need help. And that's true, isn't it? So then God brought a solution for us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it takes us to this next place on the Roman road. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Here comes the good news now for the sinner. Here comes the good news that God's love for us was not predicated upon our response to him, but while we were still sinners. He came and loved us. He loved us and He died for us. All right? So that's good news. And then, uh, but if we remain sinners, then we're going to die. However, if we repent of our sins, and I'm talking about this is, this is the teaching on the Roman road, if we repent of our sins and accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, then we will have eternal life because Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, so now, well how, now how do you get that eternal life? How does that become applicable to your life? Well, then they take you over to Romans chapter 10. And verse 9 says, but if we... Uh, no, it does not say that. Yeah, it does. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes under righteousness, and with the mouth Confession is made into salvation. There it is right there. You believe with your heart and you confess Jesus is Lord. You confess with your mouth. All right? And, and this is for all, anyone. This is an invitation because verse 13 says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All right? So I, 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 like, I like a lot of that. I like a lot of it. I really do. I think it's, I think it's good for the most part. But, but I want to talk about the problem now. First, we need to go to Romans chapter 5. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. And I want to just park here for a second. And because my problem with the Roman road thinking and teaching is there's no mention of Adam in it. So this teaching highlights the sinner is a sinner because he sins. But that's not why we're sinners. Because Romans chapter 5 teaches us something different. So instead of dealing with the cause, they deal with just the symptoms. All right? That's the weakness of this Roman road teaching. You have to go back to where it it began. And this says, therefore, just as through how many men? One man. Sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. In other words, what that's saying is, it said that they were, let's go back to 12 if, if you can, because all sin. In other words, God saw that all men had sinned because one man had sinned. You got that? They saw, he saw that all men, so that death came to all of them. Because when he saw all men, he saw Adam. And he saw that one man's sin. And so we all got credited with Adam's sin, therefore death came to all of us wow. We didn't do anything. That guy did it. Yeah. Amen. And we got blamed for it. Uh-huh. Amen. It's true. Yeah. Everyone following after Adam because we're all born with his nature. And because his nature was fallen, all of us then are born with a fallen nature. So now here's the cause. It's more than just an action. It is our condition is the problem. We're born broken so if i were to tell somebody and i heard i hear people evangelize like this i won't name any names but if you turn on tbn once in a while you see this guy out on the streets and he'll say hey hey um have you ever sin have you ever lied yeah well then 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 you've broken god's laws so then you're a sinner have you ever cheated yeah well then you're a che- so then you're a sinner that's not what makes them a sinner That's not what makes them liars. That's not what makes them cheaters. All of us were born liars, cheaters, thieves, adulterers. We were born all that. Just name it. That was our condition. Okay? So now let's look at verse 13. Let's bring up 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Man, when that law came, whew. Nevertheless, watch, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So what this is saying is that even if they didn't sin, death still reigned. Why? Because their condition was was bad, not their action. All right? Because of Adam's sin, death still reigned over those who didn't sin. Wow. So we know that the action is really not the issue. Next, but the free gift, thank God for the free gift, but the free gift, so they weren't made sinners by sinning, they were made sinners by Adam's sin, but the free gift is not like the offense, for if by one man's offense, many died much more, the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Wow. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. I want you to get this. It's one guy's sin that brought out all this. Okay? The one who sinned for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. One offense. One sin from one man. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Wow. This is what makes Jesus' effect greater than Adam's effect. For if by the one man's offense, everybody say one man's offense, death reigned through the one much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to... Oh, judgment didn't come to you when you sinned. Judgment came to you because one man sinned. All right? Judgment came to all men. You got it? Resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the gift came to how many men? All men. Thank God that that what Adam did is not the end of the story. The last Adam has come to redeem all mankind, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were, were what? How were you made a sinner? Because you sinned. How were you made a sinner? Because Adam sinned. This, is, this has got to get in the Roman's road. This has to be told because people, when they're just talked about their actions, see, senior, sinners don't need behavior modification. They need a new life. They need a new life. It's not about getting better. If a sinner ceases to sin, he still won't get saved. That will not save him. Even if he repents of his sins, it won't save him. Because repent just means to change your mind. They can change their mind all they want. People change their mind all the time, doesn't get them saved. You try preaching the acts that you're made a sinner by your acts to a guy named Cornelius and see if he gets saved. Because he would tell you, I don't sin. According to Acts chapter 10, it says that he was a devout man. He's one who feared God with all of his house. He prayed to God always and he gave generously to the poor people. And God said, we got to get this guy saved. Now, think about that. That's an amazing thing. Cornelius was a good man. I mean, he was a generous man. He taught his children to fear God, and he prayed all the time, and he still wasn't saved. As a matter of fact, if I were to see Cornelius, I would have... Here's the thing. If I were to look at Cornelius' life, there's a very good chance I wouldn't preach the gospel to him because I would make an assumption that he was saved. One day, I got a phone call. I was at a car show with our men, and this has been eight years ago probably, somewhere around. You don't even know what story I'm about to tell. And it was my daughter, frantic on the phone. Dad, Dad, uh, I think I messed up. I said, what did you do? I, said, I think it was Maddie. She said, well, I spilled something on my carpet in, in my room. I spilled uh, soup on my carpet. And, and and then And then so I panicked, and I went and got the bleach, and I poured bleach on it. And now there's just this big white spot in my carpet. I said, yeah, yeah, you went a little far. I crossed right over the spot remover and just grabbed the bleach. And then took, yes, took every, mom has to remind me of this part. She took every towel to try to daub this stuff up. And these weren't white towels in the beginning, Now we have towels that are all marked up with bleach and little holes eaten through them, and we're still using them, though. We're going to use them, every thread of those towels. But So I got home, and, and sure enough, there's this perfect white circle where once there was soup spilled, and it looked really nice for a little bit. But eventually that bleach began to eat away at that carpet. See, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. And if we think, if a person thinks it's just about them getting better, better behavior, better life, see, uh, it might look okay. Cornelius looked good on the outside, but he was still heading for destruction. And that's why this angel came to visit him and said, you need to send for a man named Peter and he'll come and tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. He's going to come and tell you words. So you're not saved by works, you're saved by words. And these words are the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I'm saying he's in that word. It's hard to explain. And we hear words all day long, but those words do something else. There's, there's something about that gospel message that that God is in it. It's the expression of Him. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. Peter even said it like this. He said, To Him, all the prophets witness, that whoever believes on Him will receive remission of sins. And the Scripture says that as Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard that word. And next thing they know, these people are speaking in tongues. Nobody has prayed the sinner's prayer. They didn't get walked down a Romans road. They heard about Jesus. Whoever believes on him will receive remission. They didn't, they didn't get told, You all need to confess your sins. You need to confess your, you're all sinners. And uh, none of that. They simply exalted Jesus. Now, I've had people ask me why it's necessary. Why is it necessary for me to be saved? What am I being saved from? And that's when I would talk about. That's when I would talk about Adam. That's what I did at Ahmad's funeral. I was, uh, when, when I when I got there, I was thinking, okay, Lord, how do I how do I do this? How do I present the gospel to them? And I know how to preach the gospel, but I felt like it was important for just a moment to talk about what Ahmad had done. Ahmad knew that there was something missing in his life, and so he came to this place in his life where he realized that he was empty and he needed God. And so he believed this amazing message that most of you out here know. It's a scripture that you see at football games on a bright poster board. Somebody has it up. It's John 3.16. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So Ahmad knew if I don't believe, I'm lost. So he believed on him. Why are we lost? We're born lost. And that's when I just shared this simple thing about this one guy. One guy sinned, and everybody got blamed for it. And everybody got the wages of it, which was death. But God not, didn't, wouldn't leave you there. God loved you enough to bring a message to you that would save you, that would give you eternal life, that would reverse all of that, that would bring you in right standing with God. Apart from anything that you could do, no performance on your part could ever measure up. You have to simply believe this message. And when it came time for them to make a decision, you were there, you remember. They just began to stand up in the room, one after another after another, just stand up. Now, I didn't, I I was actually, all I said was, Some of you need to take a stand today. And when I said that, this boy just stood up. I wasn't asking him to actually literally stand up. This kid stood up, and then others just began to follow suit. Bam, bam, bam. They just stood up, stood up, up, responded to that gospel message. And I looked around that room at all these who had come to mourn this young man, this awful tragedy, and see the amazing goodness of God, the miracle that was happening right here, that many came into the kingdom through his death that God was able to turn this situation around for good, for heavenly good, for eternal good. This message that has him in it, that reveals Jesus in it, is the message that we must preach. And this is Paul's entire point in the book of Romans. It's about exalting Jesus and and understanding that we are lost without him. Not even by our own fault, but just because we were born. So we need to be born again. And so now, I want you to listen to this. Um, Lisa, can you bring up Hebrews chapter 9? I'll finish with this, this thought tonight. So here, just simply, simply just talk about we're born broken. And our actions aren't the problem, it's our condition. So we need a new condition. And God provided a way for a new condition, that is to be born again. By believing on Jesus, it's that simple. He died for our sins. Give Him the credit. Amen. Believe on Him and you will receive everlasting life. Isn't that glorious? It's not the, this is not difficult to share. This is just not that difficult to share the good news. But it's important that we don't get caught up in watching. You know, you work with certain people or... You, You have neighbors or other people you're around, you just think, God, family. Why are they such a knucklehead? Why do they have to let those words come out? Why are they so nasty? Hmm? And if you're not careful, you'll try to modify their behavior rather than show them the Savior. I like what a man said years ago. You've heard me say it before, but it just... Stunned me when he said it. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. Amen. And now we have become the righteousness of God in him, for he who knew no sin became sin for us. Listen, to uh, Hebrews chapter 9, let's start in verse 22. Start in verse 22. Because this is a miraculous thing. I think it's a miraculous thing that Jesus could bear all the sins of mankind. Isn't that amazing that he could really take away the sins of the world? Not just your own. I mean, if you think about your own sins, the things that you've done, you think, God, that's a lot, Jesus, for you to bear. Okay, let's go you times billions, right? I mean, we're talking every person and all their sins, That's why when he was in that garden, he was feeling death come upon him. And it was breaking his physical body down. According to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission or there is no removal of sin. So that's why Jesus had to shed his blood for our sins. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these. So this is he's talking about Moses' tabernacle. All right, God had him make the tabernacle, according to the pattern that, was, that is actually in heaven. The actual temple, the actual tabernacle in heaven, Moses put that here on the earth, copies of it. And so then they would use the animal's blood to, remember he would sprinkle the, the, the people, he would sprinkle the book, and would sprinkle the people with the blood. This is the blood of the covenant, right? And, and that blood, according to God, would, would cleanse, all right? It would cleanse those things. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Whoa, whoa, hang on a second. Think about this for just a moment. As I said earlier, I think it's a miraculous thing that Jesus could take away the sins of the world, that He could cleanse us from all of our sins. But that's not even, I don't think that's the biggest miracle. I think what we just read here is even a bigger miracle. Let's back it up and slow it down. Verse 23, Therefore it was necessary that the copies of these things... Uh, In the heavens should be purified with with these, that is, the blood of the, the, the bulls and goats, but the heavenly things themselves, whoa, 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 hang on. The heavenly things themselves were purified? How do you purify perfection? Isn't heaven already perfect? Isn't it already pure and holy? But somehow, when the blood of Jesus showed up there, and when He poured it on that literal mercy seat, heaven got cleaner. Heaven itself was purified. How do you make perfection perfecter? Only one thing can do that. His blood. Now, if it can make perfection, perfecter, your sin ain't nothing. Are you hearing me? He purified heaven with His blood. Wow. Just when I think that my teeth are white... You know, like do, you ever do the tooth cleaning stuff? Whitening stuff? Am I the only one that torments myself like that sometimes? It's the worst thing ever. Your mouth is sore for like two days, can't eat anything. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. But, and then, and then think, oh yeah, that looks good. And then take a white mint and put it in my mouth. And I see the white of my teeth compared to the white of that mint. Ugh. Am I the only one that does that? Oh, well, I realize that they're not white at all. See, when his his blood showed up there in heaven, heaven was like, oh, we have a new standard. Hmm? We have a new standard of perfection. We have a new standard of holy. We have a new standard of pure. It's that pristine blood. And the scripture says, because of that blood, we who were far off, who were strangers to God, who were without hope and without God in the world, now have been brought near by that blood. It's a powerful thing. can make heaven better. His presence is brighter than the sun. His presence is in that gospel. It's in that word. Waiting to be released from your mouth for someone to hear. How shall they call on Him of whom they have not heard. Believed, I mean. And how shall they believe on Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? I want you to make that personal tonight. Say this with me. Say, how shall they hear without me? Because if you don't preach then they won't hear and if they don't hear they won't believe and if they don't believe they won't call and if they don't call on him they won't be saved so we must preach how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things our message is not you filthy rotten sinner huh our message is Christ died I have good news for you today. You don't have to stay lost. You don't have to stay hopeless. You don't have to stay broken. Today, you can be saved. Today, you can have a new life in him. Hmm? And it's free. It's free. You can't work for it. You can't be good enough for it. You have to simply believe. And then we have to believe this gospel, as Paul said, this one last scripture, Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. Wow, what is the power of God to salvation? The gospel is the power of God to salvation. To who? To everyone who believes. Yes. Amen. You will know that power when you believe it. What's that power? The power to save you is found in that gospel to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Wow. So here it is. We do not have the pressure, my family, you do not have the pressure to get people saved. That's not your job. That's not your responsibility. You preach a gospel that saves. Amen. You just deliver the message. You let them hear the words. Those words were they and all their household. I want us believing this year, declaring this coming year, even the end of this year, that me and all my house and whoever I deliver this message to, they and all their house will be saved. We're not after just one, we're after families. We're after households because households make up cities. Cities make up states. States make up a nation. Come on. And nations make up the world. we got to believe this because we see this several times. It it became the theme in the New Testament. You and all your house. Believe on the Lord and you and all your house will be saved. It's like Joshua said, "As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hmm? Now maybe you've got some people in your house that ain't serving the Lord. Don't be discouraged by that. You just keep declaring, me and all my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm telling you, God is able to do far more than what you could do in your own strength. You're going to have to leave that in His hands. But you keep praying for for Him. My mother prayed every day for my grandfather, her daddy, to be saved. Man, he was trying hard not to be saved. Me, I made my peace with God a long time ago. I already made my peace with God. Oh, you did, huh? You made your peace. Uh, You can't make peace with God. Jesus has to do that. And he did. And on his dying bed, lo and behold, he called for a preacher. Two days before his death, he surrendered his life to Jesus. Because my mother said, You ain't dying. She was just declaring it God, don't let him die. Until he comes to know you. I've been praying for him all my life. Me and all my house. I've been declaring that over my house. I want my dad in heaven. And a messenger came. A woman preacher at that. And she led my grandpa to Jesus. I think when he got there, he found that thief. Or the thief found him and said, hey, you got in like I did. (laughs) (laughs) In your dying breath. (sighs) Praise God. But you know what? God will take you in your dying breath. Because as long as you got breath, you got hope. Huh? As long as you have breath, you got hope. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That day, but not everybody's going to be saved that day. You got to confess to him, Lord, today while you're here. That's what makes the difference. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Amen. Well, I hope this has blessed you tonight. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Absolutely. Land, Jeremiah land? Okay. Um, okay, yeah, we're going to pray for Jeremiah's grandfather, who was just taken to the hospital. They said with a possible stroke. Lord, we lift up. Jeremiah's grandfather to you now, we just say right now, let the word of God apprehend him now. The word that brings life to those who find it and health to all of their flesh. We speak to his body right now. We command this bleeding, if it's a stroke, to stop now in Jesus' name. We thank you right now for being a very present help in time of need, God. Do what only you can do in this moment, Lord. Father, I thank you that even when they arrive at the hospital, Lord, that already It'll be a testimony of your goodness and your glory. And Lord, that you will help these doctors and give them heavenly wisdom. That your hands would be upon their hands, Lord. You would help them see. And Lord, that they could do everything they can in the natural. But Lord, we're not just trusting that. We're trusting the great physician, our healer who came and healed us. Hallelujah. We thank you for that now. We send forth that word of healing right now because you sent your word and you healed us and you delivered us from our destruction. We call him healthy, whole, and healed right now in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.